All right, Team Pella, listen up. Thanks, John Kuhn. Customers love our products with limited lifetime warranties. Check out these big plays. Incredible innovations like blinds and shades between the glass. No interference on that play, Coach. And stylish windows with hidden screens that make game days a breeze. Can it get any better? It can. With monthly payments as low as $19 per window, $75 per patio door, and a free quote at PellaWI.com. Let's go. 6.99 Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Come join the conversation on the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Old National Bank. Get old. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us on a rainy Friday afternoon. Uh, the, the only good news I have is that if you live closer to the lake and in a large part of our listening area, um, while it's icky outside, it's worse to the west. I'm looking at the radar, and Paul Joseph, a former chief meteorologist at today's TMJ4, he always cautioned us we weren't supposed to interpret the radar. That's what the emails would always be. Don't interpret the radar. Well, okay, I can, I'm looking at the radar, and there's, like, chunks of green where we are, but you get to the western portion of the state, and there's, gi- like, giant chunks of, of yellow so there's the more intense rain out there. But no matter how you cut it, wherever you are in the state of Wisconsin today, it's going to be a crummy day. And that crummy day will continue through the evening and it will continue tomorrow. The showers are supposed to end as we get into the afternoon. Hopefully they will have halted by the time the Wisconsin-Iowa game kicks off tomorrow afternoon around 3.30. Let us get started. I have, I'm a firm believer that... You, you have the right to express yourself in this country. I have made a, a living for a long time under the umbrella of the First Amendment. You have freedom of speech in this country. However, I think there are also consequences for what you say. I mean, if you decide that you want to, I don't know, go public and start talking about the fact that you don't like this or that or whatever about your employer, fine, you have the right to do that, but you shouldn't be surprised if... When you come in Monday morning and your employers heard about that, they're not happy with you. If you decide to go public and rip, I don't know, your next door neighbor, well, you shouldn't be happy. You shouldn't be surprised if the neighbor finds out about that and isn't happy about it. You have the right to say things, but there are also consequences for that. And we are starting to see this play out. Okay, the, the dominant story of the last few days has, of course, been the, the brutal, vicious attack that Hamas launched against Israel. Um, over a thousand people killed, hostages taken, people beheaded, and the calls for today a, a day of jihad. And the argument is, um, you know, from the land to the sea, which is, is a call to essentially kill all the Jews in Israel. That That's that's what this is all about. Let us understand when they talk about jihad, that, that's what this means. It's an effort to try to kill all Jewish people. Right now it's targeted at Israel, but there's lots of people who I think, you know, would support that uh, across the world. And that's one of the scary things that exists. So anyhow, in the wake of these brutal attacks, you had a number of people Certainly, I don't think a majority, but you had individuals who decided they were going to blame Israel for the terrorist attacks. And this is, of course, among the far left in this country. This is the fashionable position. Oh, it's it's Israel's fault. 
So Harvard University, which is, of course, one of the, these hotbeds of liberal activism, you have a number of student groups, um, a coalition of Harvard student groups that decided to release a joint statement following the attacks by Hamas that killed more than a thousand Israelis and at least 14 Americans. Here, here's what here's what it said. Quote, we, the undersigned student organizations, hold the Israeli regime entirely responsible for the unfolding violence. The statement from something called the Harvard-Palestine Solidarity Group said, the statement says millions of Palestines in Gaza have been forced to live in an open-air prison, called on Harvard to take action to stop the ongoing annihilation of Palestines. Um, A footnote at the bottom of the statement said the names of the original signing organizations have been concealed at this time. Okay, so here we're we're these student organizations. This is what we say, but we we don't want to be identified. Well, what's happened is, I mean, yesterday there were a couple groups that decided to actively identify, you know, the people who are responsible, who are with some of these student groups who have signed on to this. And this has created this huge controversy. Oh, we're doxing these people, D-O-X-X-I-N-G. You know, we're, we're doxing these people. We're exposing them. You know, we're, we're sharing their, their names. Well, well, yeah. So here's the story. Bill Ackman. And Bill Ackman is a, a guy who, he's a hedge fund billionaire who, um, founded Pershing Square Capital Management. And so, you know, here, here's what, what he's done. He said, okay, here's here's the deal. I think Harvard should release the names of the various students who signed off on this letter. He said, yeah, I, I think that myself and other employers should have the right to know the names of people who uh, believe that, okay, that these terrorist attacks, it's solely the responsibility of Israel because I, I don't, I don't want to hire them. I mean, I, I don't want to hire anybody with, that would think this way. Um, and one of the tweets he sent out says, I've been asked by a number of CEOs if Harvard would release a list of members of each of the Harvard organizations that have issued the letter assigning sole responsibility for Hamas's heinous acts to Israel so as to ensure none of us inadvertently hire any of their members. So he says, OK, these people you know that this is how they feel. That's fine. They have the right to do it. But I want to know who they are. Because I don't want anything to do with them, and I know a number of other CEOs that don't want anything to do with them. Well, now the response that Harvard has is, "Oh, this is this is terrible. We we can't do this. You know, we can't we can't disclose the, these organizations, and we can't we can't disclose their, their membership lists because, well, you know, there, there might be consequences for their position. Duh." 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. All right, so this head fund man, heads, hedge fund manager, Bill Ackman, says, look, okay, I, I want to know, and I assume he's a Harvard grad, I want to know, you know who belongs to these organizations. Harvard knows who was it that signed off on this letter essentially blaming Israel for the terrorist attacks. I think he has every right to know. 
And for these snowflake students, if you decide you want to take this position, the groups you belong to want to take this position, fine. You have the right to do it. It's a free country, at least last time I checked. But shouldn't you have to suffer, I don't know, the consequences of your particular position? 855-616-1620. My answer is absolutely And this argument, well, it's doxing, it's going to cause embarrassment, it's going to cause issues. Well, maybe you should have thought of that before you decided to take the side of the terrorists. 855-616-1620, what do you think? 855-616-1620. Okay, so this is going on on various college campuses, but Harvard, in the wake of these terrorist attacks, you you have a, a group of student organizations that puts out this statement essentially saying, The sole responsibility for the terrorist attacks, the murders of innocent men, women, children, the taking hostage, that all belongs to Israel. And, okay, that's the opinion that they express. So you have a number of CEOs and led by this guy named Bill Ackman who says, okay, here's the deal. I want want the names of the members of this organization because I don't want to hire anybody who's anti-Semitic who believes that Israel is responsible for this. I, I want this. And Harvard is now, oh, we, we can't we can't release these names. These kids are all panicked. Oh, we, we can't have this out there. To my, which my response is, is why? I mean, if you're associated with an organization that has decided to support the terrorists, um, that, that's, that's, your opinion, that's your business. You get to do it. But shouldn't you also be held accountable for that particular position? Why should you be able to hide behind these things? Let's start with Rick in Illinois. Rick, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I want to say uh, first, thank you for taking my phone yes, call. Sir. You know what? It's so easy for these people to start speaking out about all this stuff, but they like to hide behind it. They don't want to, you know, say who they are. My feeling is, if you're strongly, if you feel strongly about something, yeah. either put up or shut up. Yeah. You know, um, I think their name should be put out. If, if you feel strongly about this, and yeah. you have a uh, and you're going to sign a letter or a petition saying that, and you should be able to put your name on it. Well, well, exactly. And and people should know who stands behind this. And if you're part of a group that has put out one of these statements and you disagree with it, well, you've got an easy thing. You can go public and say, look, I belong to the, the X, Y, and Z club. I didn't know that my the membership was going to put out this statement. I completely disagree with it and disavow it. Um, but you, and you can do that. But I, I think, you know, people have the right to know you know exactly who this is, how many people actually feel this way. And from the perspective of these different CEOs, I think they have the right to know, you know, gee, if, if you, I mean, I assume the guy is Jewish, he has the right to know, is he going to hire some anti-Semite who, you know, believes believes that, you know, killing Jews is is an okay thing. I think he has every right to know that. 100%, 100%. It's his business or her business. Why not? They need to know who they're hiring. And again, you know what? It's so easy to put stuff out there and hide behind social media or whatever. Right. Not feel strongly about something. Yeah, stand up for it. it. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for the call. And and then and then deal with the consequences of that. Some people undoubtedly agree with you and will applaud that. Oh, yes, you're right. It's all Israel's fault. But, you know, other people might not. Jeff, liberal America needs to be held accountable for their actions and moronic statements. We must hold people accountable and they need to know that there are consequences for your actions and your stupid statements. Jeff, Liberal Harvard needs to release the names to keep people accountable for their 
actions. Jeff, I totally believe that all the names should be posted, just like I believe that shoplifters' names should be posted, too. Yeah, we talked about that a while back. I I, I just, I mean, I applaud. There's some businesses out there. I, I think what they should do is, and I made this argument, there people were all upset about this Um not to get too far afield, but there were there were places in New York that you know their their cameras, they, they their security cameras caught pictures of people who were stealing, and they were putting these posts these pictures up, and they were circulating them. And some people, oh, this is just terrible. Why? I mean, if you if you don't want to be identified as uh, as a shoplifter, don't shoplift. If you don't want to be identified as a crazed anti-Semite who is trying to make excuses for the massacre of over a thousand people and taking hostages, well, don't sign off on letters supporting that. Um, let's talk to Scott in South Milwaukee. Scott, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. No, on on this to- on the specific topic, whatever the hedge fund manager, he makes a valid request, and the students who are hiding behind hiding behind whatever they're hiding behind, they're, they're, they are cowards, all right? But, but Harvard University is a, number one, it is still, it is still whatever one of the most sought-after universities to get into, all right? Mm-hmm. Number, two, number two, Harvard University is a private university, and they can make their own decisions on what they want to release and what mm-hmm. they don't want to release. If this hedge fund manager, if he is a Harvard alum, his only re- his only recourses are number w- number one stop hiring Harvard graduates. Yep. Number number two stop giving money. To, to, to stop giving money. And number three get together with other other Harvard graduates yep. and force change whatever the leadership of Harvard University. Yeah. No. You're. I mean. You're right. I mean. Thanks to call Scott. I mean. There's no. There, there's no. It's not like you can sue and require them to do this, but I, I think it's been interesting to me because the reaction, the pushback, has been, "Oh, this is terrible! How you can't dox these poor, these poor high college students for this opinion? We, we can't disclose it." Bull! I mean that that's absolutely ridiculous. If you want to, if you decide that you're going to be part of an organization that is going to come down on the side of terrorists, and that's what this is. Fine. Okay, you have the right to do this, but why the why any institution would allow you to hide behind um, I don't know anonymity when you decide to say things like that is beyond me. But you're, you're right. I mean, the reaction is if Harvard refuses to release this, the you know Bill Ackman and all the other CEOs, many of whom are Harvard graduates, and my guess is a lot of whom you know are either Jewish themselves or have ties to the Jewish community. Right? Their response is to say, okay, we're, we're not going to give you any more money, Harvard. We're not going to hire Harvard graduates because we don't want to inadvertently you know hire somebody who is this vicious anti. Anti-Semite who believes that Israel is responsible for I don't know being invaded, having a thousand citizens over a thousand citizens killed, people held hostage, and people beheaded. I mean, I, I that that's it. And for the snowflakes who sign off on this, maybe they need to learn early on that there are sort of consequences. Okay, I'm I'm part of this group. Yes, I'm going to march in the streets. Yes, I stand with Palestine. I stand on the side of the terrorists. Fine, you have the right to do that, but. Maybe sometimes you need to learn that positions, um, actions, statements have consequences. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to shift gears. I have another related question to ask you, and this is broader than the one we just discussed in the last segment. Stick around. You know, I, I, I understand that there are 
there are political issues and, and you can you can argue, gee, you know, ha- has the Israeli response to, you know, Hamas and the Palestinian issue and the Gaza Strip since, you know, since the Palestinians were granted this land in 2005 or 2006 or 2007, has, has that been appropriate? You could also ask, you know, for everybody who blames Israel. And what about Egypt? You know, Egypt won't let the Palestinians in. I mean, it, it's not like. Gee, I mean, because what's happening is Egypt, which is the country immediately to the south of Gaza, Egypt is afraid. They recognize that the, this Gaza Strip has been has been infiltrated and is overcome is overrun with terrorists. Egypt doesn't want to let people in because they're going to afraid they're afraid that they're going to use Egypt as a base as a place to base their terrorist activities out of. So, I mean, it for everybody who wants to blame Israel. There, there's also There's all sorts of other issues that are out there, including, you know, what do you do with this narrow strip of land that is just a hotbed of international terrorism? But you have people who are, okay, we're going to blame Israel for this. Well, all right, how far does this go? If there was another 9-11, would you have a lot of the same people who are out there, you know, blaming Israel for the terrorist attacks? Would they be blaming the United States? And my answer is, unfortunately, yeah, I, I think that there there would be a small but vocal segment who would say, "Oh, this is the United States' fault. This this is this is our doing. We are in fact the great Satan. We supported Israel, or we did this, or we did that." And and yes, it is our fault. That's just I think unfortunately where we are, Jeff. I think the reaction would be sad. We would have people saying, "Our country deserves it." You know who hates America the most? Some Americans, I think that there um, is an element of that. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Julie in Kenosha. Julie, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think about this? Well, I think it's a fascinating question. When you look at what would happen today in this country if we had another 9-11, and and obviously tensions are so high between – um, Israel and the Hamas. I think what we saw with 9-11, my personal opinion is Bush brought the country together. Um, personally, I, I don't feel like if this happened today, Joe Biden has the foreign policy knowledge, nor does he have the leadership to bring the country together. Um, and and I, I see what you're saying is there would possibly be that small group of of people blaming Israel, blaming America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I no, I mean, Julie, th- thanks for the call. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm trying. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to move the politics and the personalities and stuff um, out of this. But I, I do. I mean, I think that there's there is the blame America first crowd. You know, it was it was sort of interesting. I was again, I, I was at this um, this this memorial service last night, and one of the one of the teenage girls was talking about how she had seen um, somebody was was mar- walking with a with a sign, and it was um, it was somebody in the LBGT community. And the sign said something about like it was it was like LBGTQ for for Palestine. Okay, that that's what the sign said. And somebody was saying to me last night, do do they even understand what they're saying? I mean, you 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 do you know how people who are gay are treated 
in a large part of the Arab world? Do you know how somebody who is gay would be treated in in Palestine? Well, trust me, it would not be pretty. But yet you, you have, you know, it, it's this incredible ignorance that, that is, is out there. And you know that ignorance would be on incredible display as well if the United States, I think, were attacked. Donna in Brookfield. Donna, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Yeah. Um, it, absolutely, it absolutely pains me to say this, but if we had another 9-11, I do not think this country would come together. I think the seeds of mistrust have been sown and they're being cultivated, and we don't trust our most basic institutions. We don't trust mainstream media. We don't trust government institutions like our CDC and things like that. People just have a great mistrust of the government. And that's why I don't think we've come together. And, oh, my gosh, it just pains me so much. Yeah, you know, and, of course, the problem is that the Internet and social media and stuff is a wonderful thing on on one hand, but it unfortunately has this ability to to magnify the crazies that are out there and, and give them this voice. My producer, Samantha, is nodding her head. And, you know, and, and, and that's it. So people who otherwise might think stuff but wouldn't necessarily have a voice, they now have the Internet and the ability, the anonymity to, while they're sitting in mom's basement, they can go out and they can, they can say these hateful <laughs> things and, and not be held responsible for this. And so uh, undoubtedly there would be a lot of that going on as well. Yeah. Yes, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, thanks for the call, Donna. And, and again, that's that's one of the differences because it's not that the Internet wasn't around in 2001, but, but the reality is, you know, now – with, with the access to social media and all the stuffs out there, you know anybody with with a cell phone and access to the internet can can spread whatever sort of craziness that they want to to spread. You get this on the left and right. This is this is not a political commentary. And then you have people who decide that they are going to embrace that. But unfortunately, I have there's no question in my mind that if September 11th, Lord forbid, or something similar were to occur again. What you would have is is you would have at least a certain segment of the population that would be the we're going to blame America crowd. And my guess is some of those people hold elective office across the country. One of the other things that, that people don't want to talk about with, with this, oh, well, we could never have September 11th again. Well, I mean, you look at what's going on on the border and for, for everybody who says we should have open borders, or we, we should just allow – Somebody was saying that to me in my real life, no, not on the air. Somebody was saying that, and I thought, what are you talking about? We should just let anybody in. All right, there are people out there that hate the United States, and if you don't think that a percentage, what are there, like 7,000, 8,000 people a day pouring across the, the southern border illegally, if you don't think that there is a percentage, and it might be a small percentage, but but even if it's, one percent, even if it's half a percent of the thousands and thousands of people who are coming into this country illegally, who aren't necessarily coming in looking for a better life, but they're coming into this country because they hate America and they hate all that we stand for. Um, if Even if it's only a half of a percent, is that is that the risk that we are taking? And, you know, that's one of the other things that nobody likes to talk about when it comes to controlling the border. But one of the reasons that September 11th happened is we lost control of our our visa system. You had people that came in on student visas and just kind of disappeared into the, the country and they banded together and they launched these attacks. You know, if we 
with open borders. This is, and I don't mean to be an alarmist, but anybody who's not thinking about the possibility of this happening is naive at, at best. And it's one of the things that's scary, and it's one of the things why you know, our intelligence services need to continue to be incredibly watchful, because you don't know what the orientation and the motivation of people who are pouring into this country illegally are, and there's really no way of telling that. Again, I'm not suggesting that everybody that's coming into this country illegally across the border is a terrorist. That's not my point. But if one out of a thousand is a terrorist and there's eight or has terrorist leanings and there's 8,000 coming in a day, you know, do the math over week after week after week and month after month after month. And then, you know, where does that get you? Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We do not go gently into the good rainy weekend on the Wagner program. By the way, if you would like to watch, and I know lots and lots of you listen, I appreciate that. You've been listening for years and years, and I appreciate that more than I can tell you. But relatively new innovation, you can now watch us. We've got cameras all over the studio, and you can simply go to WTMJ.com and click on the Watch Live button. Or we've got our own YouTube channel. Just go to WTMJ and Hit the YouTube, go to go to YouTube and then put in WTMJ and you'll, you'll see us and you can see how I dress on a particular day. Actually, I chose my outfit today myself and my wife gave me a thumbs up. She said, oh, you're, you know, you're starting to pay attention here. So you can check that out. A number of people love to watch us as well. And that's always kind of fun. Um, okay. I, going back to the whole notion of, of accountability, um, the story in the local newspaper, assembly lawmakers condemn Hamas attacks. Three Milwaukee representatives abstain. But Wisconsin lawmakers voted Thursday to condemn last week's surprise deadly attacks by Hamas militants on several Israeli towns, with three Milwaukee Democrats voting to abstain from the resolution. Representative Ryan Clancy, this guy is the nut. And, and I've seen and I, I, this is the same guy who, you know, w- was talking about how, you know, we, we, we don't need the cops and things like that. And and being involved in law enforcement is not an honorable occupation. This guy is the nut that's on uh, both the county board and he's a state representative. He's one of these double dippers that are out there. And he's the socialist who just says these inflammatory things. Guys like Clancy, I have seen them come and go over the years and they make a splash, and then ultimately they, they kind of flame out and they go away. And this is hopefully sooner rather than later, he will flame out and go away. Representatives Ryan Clancy, Darren Madison, and Lakeisha Myers abstained from voting on the resolution, which condemned the massive and coordinated attack that killed more than 1,000 Israelis as of Thursday. And by the way, a number of Americans as well. They They abstained. Well, apparently, and then... This is the follow-up Clancy, again, who is the, the crazy socialist who represents Milwaukee's Lower East Side. He went further. This is Dan Bice's story. A member of the State Elections Commission, Ann Jacobs. Ann Jacobs, by the way, is a screaming lefty herself. Ann Jacobs is vowing to do everything she can to oust one of the two socialist members of the state legislature. The reason, his provocative Facebook posts on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. A day after Hamas militants launched a surprise attack on Israeli citizens over the weekend, State Representative Ryan Clancy, representing Milwaukee on the county board and the state assembly, posted a chart on his Facebook page. Israel-Palestine conflict. Human cost from 2008 to 2023, says the chart taken from El Jazeera News. Good with that. Palestinian deaths, 6,400. Israeli deaths, 308, with a year-by-year breakdown. 
He then put in the word context. That post set off a firestorm. Among the most upset was Jacobs, a leader in Milwaukee's Jewish community. She took a screenshot of his post and put it on her page. My state representative wants more dead Jews, she wrote. Apparently, then, Israel would be allowed to defend itself from the terrorists who have killed hundreds uh, and wounded thousands. What actual Democrat will primary this SOB? Because I will max out with contributions. I will host fundraisers. I will not stand for someone who endorses this terrible event. Clancy responded by saying it was a misinterpretation of what he posted. This is what he says all the time when he says these inflammatory, incredibly stupid things. Oh, this, I'm being I'm being misinterpreted when I said that law enforcement was not an honorable profession. I'm being misinterpreted when I said when I had to try to argue that this is um, moral equivalency. Well, a lot of people aren't buying it, but this is uh, it ties into what we were saying when we talked about if there was another 9-11, you know, what would be the response? Well, my guess is that there would be people like this Ryan Clancy character who would find a way to try to have moral equivalency. Okay, you've got 3,000 Americans that are killed. Well, it must be all our fault because we supported this policy or that policy. Hope we never have to find out. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. We are going to switch gears and talk about some uh, state, local, and business issues coming up in the 1 o'clock hour of the program. But I just want to kind of wrap up our conversation about, you know, Israel. It, it, one of the people that I was talking to, you know, last night, and we were, again, I was talking about the American Jewish experience. Uh, when, when I go to church on Sundays, um, there, there are not security guards in the in the foyer there are not police cars you know patrolling the the grounds it's just there is not that fear you know when the church i go to has has events where whether it's a church picnic or an easter egg hunt or whatever it it might be there there is not while you're always i guess thinking it's possible that you could have some security things you, you don't have like an armed presence if in many in many synagogues across this country that's not the situation. You know, you will have you'll have armed guards or you'll have guards or some sort of security presence because of this continuing threat by some of the crazies that are out there in this world. And the person I was talking to last night was making the point about can you can't if you don't live this, you cannot imagine, you know, what what it is, what it is like. And so today, now it's it's one o'clock our time. I, I haven't seen reports of widespread I- examples of attacks on on American Jews or Jews across the the world. I mean, there are there are some isolated reports, but you have, of course, the crazies with Hamas who have called for this to be an international day of jihad. And so there, there's a number of um, schools, Jewish schools, which have closed down. I know a lot of parents, you know, making the decisions to keep their their kids home because, again, you're you're just you're always afraid that something awful could happen because of the crazies that are out there. But it's just it's another it is another one of these examples that demonstrates that that we have to recognize that there is evil in the world. There, There is evil in the world. And there are people out there who are committed to the extermination of certain classes of individuals because of various factors, in this case, their, their religion. And it's just, you got to recognize this. You know, we like to sometimes think that, okay, all of us 
have the same views of stuff, and and we might disagree on politics, and you might be conservative, and I might be liberal or vice versa, whatever that might be. But you have to recognize that there are some people out there that are so caught up in their their jihads for whatever reason that they are – they are willing to do anything to see the elimination of certain groups of people. And, and that's something that this extremism is something that we have to month and ultimately you settle for 25%. How long does it take you to make up that money that you lost? I mean, it's kind of a do the math question. Now, again, I think the ultimate losers in this strike, it's, it's, it might be the employees if the benefit package is such that Ford has to increase its prices so much or GM so much that people stop buying the cars. I mean, I think, you know, the, the real victors, the winners in this are going to be some of the other companies that aren't represented by the UAW. That would be Honda. That would be Toyota. That would be Nissan because they're still making cars and they're still selling them. And if you get to a point where somebody says, gee, I'm considering buying an Escape versus a RAV4, but gee, the, the Escape same car, or at least a comparable sort of car, but the Escape is $1,500 more, and I'm worried about whether I'm going to be able to get parts. Okay, I'm going to go buy the RAV4. That's, you know, that's where it really becomes costly. Look, I don't know how this is going to all turn out, but at least Ford is saying, we're, we're, we've gone pretty much as far as we can go. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. I have solved one of the mysteries. I was describing what is going on with the Republicans in the House of Representatives as as a goat rope. And I, my question was, is there a hyphen between that? And the answer is no. Goat rope, plural, is goat ropes. A confusing, disorganized situation often attributed to or marked by human error. That pretty much nails what is going on in Washington right now. A confusing, disorganized situation often attributed to or marked by human error. Yep, that's it. It's a goat rope. Or if you prefer the plural, it's a series of goat ropes. Hey, I I know I've mentioned this before, um, but it's just it is starting October 15th, and it is worth mentioning again, because if I were king, one of the things that I would do is I would figure out a way to make our Medicare system more understandable for to average people. Because, I mean, candidly, right now, I, I think you need to be, I mean, you, you almost need to have an, an MBA or to be a doctor uh, to, to figure out all the different choices that are out there. And I, you know, I'll sit down, like last night I was watching, watching TV, the baseball games. Man, you want to talk about, you know, whether it's the romance of baseball or the unpredictability of this. In the National League, the top two teams, Atlanta, which looked like a team of a generation, I mean, and Los Angeles, both won more than 100 games, both of them out of the playoffs. The Los Angeles Dodgers get swept three games in a row by Arizona, the team that beat the Brewers. And then um, what happens is uh, Philadelphia, always a dangerous team. They beat Atlanta in four games. Watch that game last night. But as I'm watching the game, you, you cannot, you can't watch television nowadays or listen to the radio for that matter without being bombarded by the, these different ads for, for Medicare or Medicare Advantage. And just bear with me if you've heard me do this before, because I think it's just this, this important thing, because I think there's a lot of people that just don't understand this. Um, the open enrollment season 
is starts October 15th and it ends December 7th. And this is when people have the option to change different plans. There, there's really two ways that people get health insurance nowadays if, if you qualify for Medicare. There is your traditional Medicare, and I'm talking about what they call the Medicare Part B, which is your medical insurance. Everybody gets Medicare Part A, which is like the hospital hospital insurance. But Medicare Part B is medical insurance. There's really two ways you can go. You can go traditional Medicare. That pays like 80%. And then if you go traditional Medicare, what you need to do is you need to buy a supplement. They call that Medigap coverage that covers the difference between your charge and what Medicare pays. So there, there's all sorts of different... I know places that are out there that, you know, private insurers that sell the, these Medigap policies, these supplements. So that's one way to go. Or you can go Advantage. Advantage is it's not the traditional Medicare. What's happened, what happens is the, the, the premium that you would pay to Medicare instead goes to a private insurance company. And essentially there's all these, these private insurers that are that are out there that offer their own insurance policies. Now, the 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 problem with that, where you have to be careful, is you know when you go the advantage route, it's kind of like depending on this, it, it's like an it's like an HMO or it's like you know one of these things where you're, you're enrolled in this, and they might offer things like you know coverage for again, eyeglasses or things like that, that you don't have to pay separately for. But the problem is you're, you're in a, you're in a network and there's limits on, on what doctors you can see. And there's limits, there's requirements for prior or prior approval for almost anything. And, you know, it's, it's a different thing. I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's just different. Whereas for basic Medicare, if you have that, you can go to any doctor anywhere in the country that takes Medicare. So it's it's different. That, that's all I'm saying. And you need to figure out what's right for you. And what's right for you might not be right for me. It just all depends on your financial situation, your health situation, all those types of things. But there's a big story in the Washington Post says, you know, be careful with the hype of some of these commercials and make sure you know what you're you're getting into. And one of the, the problems is, and, it, you know, this might never become a problem for you, but if you decide to go the Medicare, the Advantage route, I'm not going to go basic Medicare, I'm going to go with these Advantage plans, and then you decide that you want to go back to Medicare because of something that, that's come up, you can do that. But this supplemental insurance the through that, that covers the difference between Medicare and whatever your charges are, they don't have to take you. They, what happens is you're subject to underwriting and all sorts of things. So if you have some catastrophic illness and you're under advantage and you want to go back, um, you, you might have a very, very difficult time not getting the Medicare, but getting that supplement policy that you need to cover the difference. And, and again, maybe it's never going to be an issue. Maybe you're never going to want to go back. I'm just saying these are different factors that people need to consider. And I, I think a lot of people just kind of get lost in all of this and like i said before what's right for you might not be right for me and vice versa and i would never i would never sit here on the radio and try to tell you what what works i know people that have advantage plans and swear by them 
and just absolutely love them. And, you know, they, they're, they're able to get all their needs and see the doctors that they want. And they've just absolutely loved them. I have others who feel the same way about their, their Medicare plan with their supplements. It just all depends. And then, then you roll in prescription drug coverage on top of that and all these other things. It's just a complicated thing. And I guess my advice on this is, I wouldn't make a decision just based on an ad you hear or an advertisement you see. Because, again, it's a highly personal sort of thing. What you need to do is you need to find some independent advisor that you trust, that you can, that has been recommended to you by your friends or whatever, that you can sit down with and say, okay, what are the different options? And this is these are the drugs that I take, and this is what my health is history is and this is what the family history is and this is what I'm worried about and this is where I'm going to live etc etc you you have to go through all these things and then you make an informed choice and you know what's right for you is right for you but the decision that you make you know in some respects is it irrevocable no but it can be very difficult. Like I say, if you decide to go with the Advantage plan, that, that's great, but if you want to go back to the original Medicare at some point in time, you might you might be kind of you, you might have trouble depending on what your health situation is getting that that supplement so just just be careful that, that's all i'm saying here be careful find somebody you trust get your advice and then do whatever is right for you all right when we come back when we come back pickleball yes i want to talk about pickleball stick around is it a fad i'm talking about Pickleball. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers goes down a couple weeks ago with this Achilles tear, which is really the it's it's the muscle at the the back of your lower calf, and it controls you know your ability to you know go up and down on your toes and things like that. After he went down, I was talking to a friend of mine in the medical profession, and he said, you know, we're seeing a ton of these Achilles injuries especially among, you know, middle-aged to older people. I said that this is the he said this is, there's been an explosion of these Achilles injuries. And I said, "Huh, why is that?" And he said, "One word, pickleball." He said, "You know, for people who are out there playing pickleball, and if you've ever played pickleball, it's kind of well, it's like it's it's sort of like ping-pong and paddle tennis and tennis all rolled into one. It's played on a smaller court with a like a wiffle ball and you you hit it back and you hit it back and forth with these like smaller type of of rackets and what what my medical my friend in the medical field was saying is that what happens is you know a lot of times people will try to go back to swat the pickleball and as they're going back they'll kind of ring up they'll get on their heel and they'll bring up their foot and boom they'll, they'll pop their achilles he was saying this is this is it's he said you'd be amazed at the number of injuries that this is this is causing i've been i was kidding my brother because he was playing pickleball he plays like in a pickleball league and stuff first time he tried it he's sending out pictures he depending on who you listen to his story is he dove for the ball my story is he tripped but regardless what you know whichever one that might be you know he shows a picture i mean his knees are just like i mean it's like you fell off a bike when you were 10 years old i mean it's just all like eaten up he's skinned his knees and stuff but I, I, I've talked to all these people who end up playing pickleball and, and loving it, but it, it's it's creating this kind of like rash of injuries that are out there. New York Post has a story I've been carrying around for a couple of days. Pickleball is wreaking havoc across the U.S., and it's only going to get worse. So what it talks about is is the, the injuries that, that are there, but also 
you know, all the problems between 2020 and 2022, uh, pickleball saw a 113% increase in participation. Um, so, you know, that's, they, they call people who play pickleball are called picklers. They're, they're called picklers. And apparently one of the things that's breaking out is if you've ever been around a pickleball court, you know that there's constant noise. Bump, 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 bump. You know, the, the constant swatting of the wiffle ball, pickleball, with, with the, the paddles. And it's just, it's continuous. I mean, tennis, you get it, but pickleball, because it's smaller and there's more swatting going on, it's kind of a constant thing. Roughly 35% of the nearly 45,000 pickleball, pickleball courts in the U.S. were converted from tennis courts. So you've got, you know, tennis players that are unhappy, you know, that they're losing their courts to this. Pickleball continues to be the fastest growing sport in America. Um, participation almost doubled in 2022, increasing by 85.7% year over year and an astonishing 158.6% over three years. Tennis, by the way, is just absolutely flat. But what's also happening is because of the noise generated by pickleball courts and the fact that you have picklers who play, picklers, picklers who play from you know sunrise to sunset on these courts, you have neighbors, people who live around here of the areas who go. This is driving me crazy. There's just no end to this, and so you have all these battles that that come out. Our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the old National Bank talk and text line. Here is my question. All right, pickleball is the hottest thing going right now. People view this as the greatest thing since canned beer. My question is, is this a fad? Two or three years from now, when we talk about this, are we going to say, oh, yeah, I remember that pickleball thing. That was really big in 2022 and 2023. Is pickleball here to stay? Achilles pulls none notwithstanding. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Jeff? Love your show. Thank you. Pickleball is here to stay. Despite the Achilles injuries, it's still much lower impact sport, especially for seniors. Jeff, I don't think it's a fad at all. I played for the first time this summer at Washington State against my grandkids and my daughter, and I had a blast. I'll be 72 this month. I had no issues. Um, okay, well, there you go. Let's see. Jeff, I think it's here to stay, but I think it's going to decline in popularity in two to three years. Like racquetball was big in the 80s, it's still around, but nowhere near as big. Jeff, there's a futsal court by a Hampton and Green Bay, a converted tennis court. How long did that last? Jeff, pickleball is the number one reason for injuries of people over 60. Ooh, it's not uh, it's, it's not uh, bad. It's, I think it's here forever because I think it's fun. My friend's neighbor down in Naples just sold their condo because it was too close to the pickleball court, and his wife complained about the noise for 12 hours a day. Yeah, the story I was looking at in the New York Post, that's that, that's one of the things with real estate agents nowadays um, in these areas. People will ask, is there a pickleball court nearby? Because they said they never had this happen with tennis courts, um, but the pickleball the, the, the play is constant, and the, the banging of the rackets is uh, constant. Um, and so I think, you know, you've got a factor there. Jeff, I think it will have some staying power. It's a game that can be played by older people, gives them an excuse to socialize. Um, yeah, that there is there is that element that's there. I guess I, I played 
played pickleball once, and my friend and I took a pickleball lesson, and it was, I guess, I'm not that big into racket sports. I mean, it's not like I was a tennis player. And we played pickleball once, and I, I didn't hurt myself. Um, maybe that was just but for the grace of God. And I um, I ended up not hurting myself, and, and so it was okay. Have I rushed back to play pickleball? No. I don't. I don't think it's a fad because, again, it's something, as people were mentioning, it's something that – you know, you can do, you can keep active. If you're a tennis player, as you get older, it, it's, it's tough to do that. Um, whereas pickleball, it's a kind of a natural progression because you use a lot of the same sort of skills, but you're not running as much and things like that. And you can still get the competitive juices going and things like that for some reason. So, I mean, I don't think it's a fad, but I, I think what you're seeing is you're, you're seeing this boom and everybody's converting tennis courts to pickleball courts and everybody's doing this now. My guess is you're kind of reaching the saturation point because um, I think there's going to be a lot of people who just kind of say, okay, well, this was fun for a while, but now I'm ready to move on to the next thing. Will there be people that play pickleball for the foreseeable future? Yes. Is it going to be as hot as it's been um, yeah, Jeff, they say pickleball is easier than tennis, but I don't agree. It messes up my tennis. Well, yeah, it's, it's a different, it's a different, um, skill there. It's a different skill set that's that. Jeff, I'm sorry. I think it's lame. <laughs> well, okay. I, I, I understand it. It's obviously not for everybody. And like I said, I tried it once and I don't think I've got any intention of, if somebody said, Jeff, you want to, I, I think we invested and we bought a couple of the cheap paddles. Um, and so, you know, we, we went out there and did it. Would, would I, do I anticipate, I know, signing up for pickleball leagues and things like that? No, I, I think I'll stick with, I think I'll stick with golf. Um, but at least right now, hottest thing going. And if you're considering buying a home, that might be one of the questions. Do I live near a pickleball court? Because if you do, be prepared to be kept awake for hours and hours early in the morning and late at night by people playing pickleball. All right. When we come back, we're getting to be that time of the week. Pop Culture Corner coming up. Stick around. Gather round all. It's time for Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Time to put aside the heavy lifting and have a good time at the old National Bank talking text line at 855-616-1620. Old National Bank. Get old. Now, here's Jeff Wagner. Well, it's been a heck of a week. The war in the Middle East and dysfunction in Washington, D.C., and economic turmoil and all these different things. So I think it's time for Pop Culture Corner. And like the big voice guy says, we do this this time every week. It's brought to you by Palermo's Pizza. We have a Palermo's Pizza prize package. Try saying that three times quickly. Exclusively in the discretion of my producer, Samantha, one caller, and it is a caller, will get our prize package, which is a uh, coupon good for a couple of Palermo's Pizza frozen pizzas and this Palermo's uh, pizza um, pizza cutter and some other tchotchkes and stuff that come along with it. So Samantha, it's in her discretion who ends up getting that. Anyways, Pop Culture Corner, sometimes we talk about food, sometimes sports, sometimes travel, sometimes, well, I, I don't know, just what music a lot of times, whatever tickles my fancy in a given week that I hope you will find interesting and entertaining. All right, so this week... Well, it's actually we're, we're going to talk about movies, but we start off with with television. Uh, the I mentioned this earlier in the week. Um, Frasier, the Frasier sequel slash reboot, aired. Um, they started airing it on Paramount Plus. 
and then it's going to be aired on um, it's, it's going to be aired on uh, CBS over the air coming up. Um, I watched it, watched the first two episodes of of Frasier, and I, I I mean I like Cheers, which was the show that you know the Frasier, the Kelsey Grammer character was on, and I liked um, I, I mean I sort of like Frasier, you know he played a he played a radio talk show host who gave psychological advice. So this you know a decade later is a reboot. I, I watched it, and I guess my reaction was. You know, eh. I mean, was it objectionable? No, not not really. Was it necessary? Eh. I, I mean, it was just it kind of like sort of left me cold. I felt the same way about um, the, the original show, that '70s show, which I I just I, I liked. Maybe because it was set in Wisconsin. Maybe because it was I, I grew up in the '70s. Uh, so they, they did a reboot on Netflix uh, several months ago. Ten episodes. Watched it. My reaction was. Eh. I mean, was it was it terrible? No. Do I wish I watched the whole thing through? Do I wish I had that five hours of my life back? Probably. You know, it was it was a sequel that did not need to be to be made. And I guess I kind of look at and I, I want to be fair to Frazier. I only saw the first couple episodes, but that was it. Um, a couple months ago, the, the TV show Justified, which ran five seasons. Um, it featured, uh, it was based on an Elmore Leonard novel. It featured the actor Timothy Oliphant, who played a, um, a, a marshal in Kentucky, U.S. Marshal. I, I love that show. Ran five years. They, they brought it back and they adapted an Elmore Leonard book and they, they, it was called City Primeval. So I was looking forward to that. I watched all, all, um, it was an eight episode thing. Eh, I mean, w- was, was it okay? Eh, yeah. Was it objectionable? No, it wasn't objectionable, but, could you have done without it? Yeah, it just it. I thought eh, it it was just again okay. So these are like at least three sequels that I can think of that are eh, okay. The other night I was channel surfing and I came up- across the original Matrix movie, you know, with Keanu Reeves and all. And I thought the original Matrix movie was a great movie. I mean, just I, I thought it was creative. You had no idea where this was going to go. I mean, I thought it was just absolutely outstanding. And then came along the next two sequels, which I thought they weren't just, eh, I thought they were kind of bad. And it was one of those where I thought, you know, if they would have just knocked knocked the movie off after after the first one, instead of trying to make money by the second and third, it would have been fine. Another movie I felt the same way about, Pirates of the Caribbean, Pirates of the Caribbean originally started as a standalone movie. It wasn't meant to have sequels, but then it became such a huge hit that uh, they, they decided, oh, we can make money. So they started bringing back sequels of it and because they had that, that attracted audience. And yes, they made money, but, but some of those later Pirates of the Caribbean movies were just awful. But it was all because, you know, they were trying to, again, you know, keep this franchise going. So, so many times, whether it's TV or whether it's movies, I think the sequels are just, they're, they're just, they're not worth it. And I understand why they're doing it. They do it because they, they want to make money and they think they have a built-in audience. So, I want to talk about sequels. That's what we're going to do on Pop Culture Corner today. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. We can, let's talk about movies. And I know I led into this with some TV shows, but it was just to make the point. All right. The best movie sequel of all time. There's been a lot of bad ones, but that movie sequel that just really, 
amplifies, you know, takes the original movie and just brings it to another level. Best movie sequel of all time. 855-616-1620. We discuss in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. It's pop culture time. Now back to Take Your Calls. Here's Jeff Wagner. Well, here's just an aside. This is the Journal Sentinel. The Wisconsin Humane Society said it has received nearly 50 cats from a single residence in southeastern Wisconsin, and it is expecting more. Um, <laughs> include younger kittens who are relatively social, older cats with health issues, 50 cats from a single residence. Okay, that... That would be, that would be like one of my tests, one of my dating tests, which would be, okay, you know, what, what do you like to eat? What TV shows do you like? Do you like sports or not? How many cats do you own? And if you get, I don't know, once you start talking about double digits, that might be a, a sign. 50 cats. Well, okay. 855-616-1620, Pop Culture Corner. We're talking about the best sequels of all time because there's some bad ones that are out there. Let's start with Don in Brookfield. Don, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Don. You know the obvious answer. The obvious answer is Godfather Two, but I'm yep. not going to go with that. Okay, the you don't want to be obvious. Story okay. Series, Toy Story. Right. Okay. The Toy Story series actually got better as it went along, at least through the first three. Yeah. And the second one, I always thought was better than the first. I would agree with you. Yeah, you're right. It kind of ran out of steam at the end. But yeah, the first three were all were all good. And I agree with you. I think I think the second one might have been better than the first. Yeah, that's a good one. Thanks for calling. No, yeah, I, I, it was no. more more developed. Yeah, right. Thank, and you you didn't have to do as much exposition on that. I mean, um, yes. Let's talk to. Let's see. We've got uh, we got Tom who's calling us from Illinois. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Dom. Yeah, my the one that I have to offer here is Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan. Yep. It was so much better than the original. It was like head and shoulders above it. It was really exciting. It had a bad villain, right. and it was it was great from beginning to end. And it it got back to what made the the TV show so great, like the characters and, and things like that. No, I, I you know, thanks for, I, I, I completely agree with you, Tom. I mean, I remember I saw that movie. There used to be a movie theater. It's now River Point. It's um, in Fox, it's Bayside Fox Point. I think it's actually technically Fox Point still, Port Washington Road and Brown Deer Road. There was a movie theater there. And I remember seeing, I think it might have been opening night. And we were, we got there late. We were like in the front row. And I, I mean, I had seen the original Star Trek movie, which is awful, absolutely awful. Could have killed the franchise. But then they came back with Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and it, it just, it was a great movie. Yeah, that might be, if you're looking for sequels that are dramatically better than the original, that is certainly it. And, you know, you can make a strong argument that, that from a sequel perspective, that might be, well, certainly the improvement over the first is, is clear. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Denny in Elmwood Park. Denny, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? I love this uh, ending for your week. Thanks. You know, I'm going to say the obvious that Don mentioned, it's Godfather 2. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it may have been the only sequel that won Best Picture. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that. They could have probably done away with Godfather 3, although yeah. it wasn't horrible. It definitely did not. 
hold up to the first and the second one. Right. No, and I agree with every. And yeah, you're right. I was trying to think while you were talking. I, you're right. I, I can't think of a sequel that that won a Best Picture Oscar besides that. Um, I don't think so. But it was. Um, yeah, it, it was amazing, and of course you brought Robert De Niro in, and it, it, I think it was so incredibly creative that okay, Marlon Brando's dead, so Marlon Brando's out of this. So how are you gonna how are you gonna revive the Godfather character? Well, let's let's have Robert De Niro be the Godfather when he was younger. I thought it was inspired. Excellent, excellent uh, series. Yeah, no, thanks for calling. No question about it. And by the way, I, I agree with you about Godfather Three as well. If you're looking for something, I'd, I'd pass on that. Let's talk to Steve in Oak Creek. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I like the uh, third Exorcist movie, the um, one where the demon is in the priest that actually didn't die when he fell down the steps. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, I haven't, uh, you know, I, I the, one of one of my weaknesses when it comes to knowledge about movies is I, I'm not big into the horror genre. I, I, I saw The Exorcist when it came out. And I think I want to see the new Exorcist that's out there because it's getting such great reviews. But I, I don't think I've seen. I don't. I don't remember seeing either of the sequels. But the third, se- the third one, the third Exorcist is worth seeing, huh? Yeah, better than the second one. Yeah. Okay. And hopefully the one that's out now is going to be a good one too because my wife wants to go and see it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Well, that's right. If you're going to invest that money in doing it, you you want to do that. Okay. Let's see. Are we're are we getting swamped with our texts here? Um. Let's see, Jeff. For the most part, the James Bond movie series were were awesome. Well, yeah, I think you can. I, I mean, they, they, let's just talk about the original movies. Um, you know, from Russia to Love for with Doctor No. Doctor No was good. Um, you know, Goldfinger I think was 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 better than that. Yeah, um, John Wick. Got to think. I like the John Wick movies. I have not seen the the most recent one. I haven't seen John Wick four. I I don't. Um, they're, they're all pretty good. They're, they're all pretty good. A number of people are mentioning a movie that I have not seen yet, which is uh, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, Jeff, I, I, the, the, the general comments are that people absolutely, absolutely 100% love Top Gun, but Top Gun Maverick was even better than the original. I, again, I don't have a frame of reference because I haven't seen it. Jeff, for me, it was the third Indiana Jones movie, The Last Crusade, best of the entire series. Um, you can make that argument. I, I think... You know, if you look at the Indiana Jones movies, all five of them, Raiders of the Lost Ark was great. The second one, Temple of Doom, was mm, awful. Last Crusade with Sean Connery, great. And then the other two, uh, the the one, the Kingdom of the Lost uh, Skull or whatever with the Russians, let that one go. And the most recent one eh, as well. But, yeah, I would agree. Definitely the of the five Indiana Jones movies, the original Raiders. And then you can make a strong argument that Last Crusade was great as well, a number of people are mentioning Godfather 2, um, you know, no question about it. Jeff, for me, it was Superman 2 with the crypt- Kryptonian criminals. Yeah, I didn't like Superman 1. Jeff, I'd have to say Avengers Endgame, right, that kind of, they're, they're coming out with the new Avengers. But, yeah, that sort of wrapped up that portion of the Marvel series. Jeff, for me, it was The Empire Strikes Back, the best sequel of all time. That, of course, in the Star Wars canon, just absolutely tremendous. number of people are... Um, mentioning that. Jeff, I thought Aliens was a fantastic sequel to the original Alien movie. Instead of trying to copy the suspense of the first one, they went with a graphic action thriller. Um, yeah, I just, I, Sam, have you ever seen the movie Alien? 
You've never seen the movie Alien. Okay, then I will not spoil this. There is a scene in the movie Alien that will haunt you for the rest of your life. When And, and people who've seen this movie know exactly what I am referring to. When this happens, it it stays with you. Let me put it like this. I, I vividly remember when I saw this, and to this day, it still creeps me out. So um, be warned. Lori in Menominee Falls. Lori, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Okay, best sequel of all time. Uh, has to be the 2008 Dark Knight. Okay, the um, uh, yeah. the Batman Begins was you know good and all, but uh, Heath Ledger's performance in that Dark Knight just I it has stuck with me. I yeah, it's I have never seen anything so engrossing in my entire life. So that's that has to be the best sequel. Yeah, you know his Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker was just incredible. I I don't you know I would he inhabited that character kind of like um Anthony Perkins inhabited Anthony Hopkins in in, in inhabited uh, the Hannibal Lecter character in Silence of the Lambs. Sure. I mean it was sure. just and, yep. and there might be a couple others but that's the one that came to mind. The performances were just absolutely incredible and I mean, the story was so incredibly good. I mean, you, you don't have to be a comic book fan. You don't have to be a Batman fan to get wrapped up, caught up in that entire storyline. Right. No, I'm not a comic book fan, but that, <laughs> that just grabbed me. And yeah, I probably have watched it a dozen times, and it still grabs me. It's just incredible. Okay, Lori. Well, according to my producer, Samantha, it that must obviously grab her as well. So next time you're watching it, have a couple frozen pizzas on me, okay? Because you're the winner of our Palermo's prize package for today, okay? Awesome. Thank you awesome. so much. Absolutely. Thank you for participating. Let's see. Um, um, I, I thought Jeff Mad Max sucked. The Road Warrior, I thought, was awesome. Yeah, The Road Warrior, um, Mel Gibson was great. Jeff, the uh, Jason Bourne movie series is very good. Um, Aliens, um, I think one of somebody else is saying Aliens is the rare sequel that was better than the original, and I thought the original was very good. A number of people are saying that. Jeff, I'd have to say any of the John Wick series. A number of people are are saying Mission Impossible. I hate to confess this, but again, that's one of... I saw the first Mission Impossible, and I remember the old TV show, and I haven't seen any since then. It's on my list that at some point in time I'm going to binge the uh, Mission Impossible movies. Jeff, for me, it's The Return of the Jedi. That's interesting because in the Star Wars canon, there's a lot of people who would say The Empire Strikes Back is one of the best sequels of all time, and there's a lot of people who just don't care at all for what what did they what were they called were they Ewoks is that what they call whatever the Ewoks that's it the, the little bear characters that that kind of for some people that sort of ruined uh, the return of the Jedi number of people are with me and one of our callers on Star Trek II the Wrath of Khan bottom line is they're, they're always trying to make sequels because once you have a built in audience rather than try to you know, rather than try to convince people to try out something new, if they know, hey, people like Frasier, this means people are going to come back and they're going to watch Frasier. Well, okay, but it it sets it sets a high bar. Um, I love sequels, willing to give them a try, but a lot of times we'd be better off without them. When we come back, let's find out what John and Greg have on their minds on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around. Thanks for participating in this week's Pop Culture Corner. Stay tuned next week for another Pop Culture Topic.